Hello, Playdate. This is Don. This is Nick. And I'm Ryan. This week we are covering Playdate news, recent indie releases, and a little bit of the old Tintagel, 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 and Pixel Panel. Thank you for listening. Let's get started. Uh, First up, I wanted to mention the uh, Tiny Yellow Machine Playdate Community Direct coming July 6th, just a couple days from now. You you preempted me, Don. You preempted me because I have to give a little hoobity boop 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 news and notes to start out the show. Sorry, go on. I gotta edit that out. Uh, so check it out. It'll be I think it'll be streaming on Twitch and probably YouTube. But uh, check out the links in the show note um, and get excited. I think there are many many game reveals uh, and other notifications news items related to our favorite little tiny yellow machine so be sure to hop on that nice good little post freedom celebration for us in the united states and you know a great playdate celebration for everyone else uh i think that's our only news and note though right yeah that's that's it we can get right into uh our <laughs> indie inventory boy those were some really closely successive boops we had this episode we're moving at a fast clip this time mm-hmm. uh some quick uh, catalog updates played a catalog right there on your play device a big release something that has been eagerly anticipated for months and months and months p racing finally hit the play date the uh fantastic kart racing game uh, by Resolvi Productions. So it's got CPU controlled components, missions, 11 missions in a city with simulated traffic, online leaderboards, challenge, a photo mode, and you can use the D pad or the crank. It's also got sort of a Rocket League style soccer mode. <laughs> and uh, it's even the scoreboards are also right here on the uh, catalog page. That's really cool. Wow. Nice integration. Wow. I don't see your names on here. Good sock apparently is just dominating <laughs> most of the leaderboards. Uh oh, good sock. Uh, looks like Tavi's best in you on track zero. Got to get after that one. Get back. Oh, in there. except for the fact this is very strange. Are you guys also seeing? Th- oh wait, no. what is happening? So the number one is thirty three thousand, but the number ten is thirty four thousand. They go in descending order. So is number ten oh. the best? This is very strange. Oh yeah, number ten must be the best, huh? Oh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to huh. contact somebody. All right, we will wake up the president. Let him know something's the happening there. <laughs> yeah, so I guess Good Sock has that number tenth place in lock. Something <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, great game. Check it out. I've only played a little bit so far, but yeah, very fun game. Uh, next up, Pocket Planner, which is exactly what it sounds like—a little pocket planner on your play date cool you can have all your guacamole recipes right there in your pocket uh stars of this stars of the screen yes ryan yes uh, Ryan, you take over you do the catalog update oh gosh please no but i was gonna say this so reminds uh, by this i mean pocket planner this so reminds me of uh my you know early to mid-aught palm pilot days this (laughs) is really giving me good vibes here i didn't expect it to when i clicked into it but man this looks amazing don did you see uh this is semi-related but did you see and ryan you too um the, <laughs> you can listen to this too ryan uh did you see the uh news about the work boy that was found the prototype no i didn't see that oh gosh yeah. tell me all about it so this is a game boy add-on that uh, essentially added pda functionality to the game boy uh, the original and uh anyway somebody found a prototype and um cut it up and rolling um, I googled it. It was found in 2020. Yeah. Oh, that's recently. Uh, recent-ish. Yeah. Moving in, at the, in the scheme of the thing. universe, Don. <laughs> I mean, that's we true. didn't know about it. <laughs> All right, adding that to the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I did find my Sega IR7000 this past week. There we go. Yeah. Just like a Sega PDA, so pretty cool. Okay. Ryan, you're running the ship on the. Oh, am I? Okay. Let's go. 
uh, let's see. We got uh, scrolling back up. Stars of the screen. What's that? It's made by Mouflon Cloud. And uh, stars of the screen hides something in its miniature tributes to screensavers and games. Can you find it? Question mark. It might be a control scheme. It might be a game. It might be a joke. It might be a tear in the corner of your eye. It might be a message. Can you find it? I'm not sure that I can, but maybe you can. Here it is on catalog for a measly six US dollars. Thoughts on stars of the screen? Well, there's because it's fault on our, our, I think it was episode 19 where we reviewed it mm-hmm. back in December. So go check out that episode, Ryan. Oh man, I'm going to have to listen to that. Pack uh, full of thoughts. All right. Followed up by another banger from our friends over at Scenic Route Software. That is Greed. So Greed is a dicey type of game uh, for one to four players that you can play on the playdate. The goal of the game is to reach 10,000 points before anyone else and maintain that lead during the final round to achieve victory. So uh, if you've taken anything away from this show, it's that we are fans of Scenic Route games. He's working on another one coming up here that's very different from all the rest of his games. Uh, can we, we we can scoop this right? I mean, it's 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 been yeah, Twitter. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's working on an endless runner game that is a uh, skateboarder, and so you're endlessly skateboarding. And the most recent update I saw about it was that he added his own drum tracks so uh mr scenic route software plays the drums and uh he plays the the soundtrack for this new game that he's making it sounded amazing uh there's even a little like boom uh when you crash your skateboard uh so like even the sound effects are drumming uh really really neat anyway a little scoop on the scenic route software followed by treasure chasers this is one that we mentioned a while back on a show where i was awake and treasure chasers is a pirate themed game where you navigate through procedurally generated islands picking up cargo and delivering other uh and delivering to other ports to sell besides the whirlpools there are also pirates that are out to get you so uh now it's available on catalog sweet um Trying to see where things left off. Are these next two uh, new releases? The yes, no, after that are... we got new releases. The new releases just sat there with no no new releases for like two weeks, and then today, bam, it, it went up by seven. Is that so, right? Yeah. So I had to dig back though. <laughs> I think they were like placeholders that got populated or something. Huh. So I found this game by Scripture called Dove War, or Dove and War. It's a visual novel, Nick. It's a dollar ninety-nine. You have uh, my you interest. Control the fate of the Second World War. You, Nick, control the control the fate. So, check that out. There is also a demo if you want to give it a look. So, pretty cool. interesting. Uh, next up by Corey B is called Texum. It's a uh, poker game. The interface really? for this looks amazing. Mm-hmm. This one I actually played a little bit of, and it, it was really fun. Um, really fun little five card five card draw poker game but there's little cutscenes with the different characters you're playing against and whatnot they all have different personalities so very very cool that is a free one it's in case anyone was wondering i cannot believe that it's free but very very well wow i i love that they've switched the gray and black color scheme to off-white and brown for this texum (laughs) game That's lovely. I, I appreciate that. Uh, Texum for Playdate or whoever this is by. Only on the itch page, unfortunately. Not on the Playdate itself. Uh, right, right. Yes. Uh, next up is Closed Circuit by another developer. And it is. it says it's an original game by the 4th AD from uh, last year for the Black and White Jam. And this is a port, an unofficial port. But man, this is such a cool little puzzle game. Um, it's pretty short, but I'm so glad they ported this over and that I, I had a chance to play it. So this is free. I highly recommend everybody to give this a shot. Just a cute little puzzler. Really, really well polished and whatnot. Um, yeah. Cannot say enough good things about it. So give it a shot. Cool. Again, that, was, that was closed circuit. And it's also free. Also free. Yeah. Uh, continuing our free streak is Poser 
by Toad, uh, also known as Totally Under Control, but Toad on our uh, on our Discord. And this is like a, a little mask for your play date. So it has different uh, eyes and mouths and whatnot to put on your playdate screen. So it was very hard for us to get the picture of the playdate logo for our podcast image, our podcast user pick. I had to I had to run through the menu like five times just to get that picture. And so this takes that away. You just put a face on it. You can animate it if you want. Um, all kinds of different settings. It's free. Throw a little face on there. Take all the pictures you want. Pose it in different. Uh, applications and areas of your life and there you go i like this i like this comment by kiwi on the page that says finally my play date is photogenic (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta be like the most photogenic console right (laughs) gotta be yeah you're not gonna get arguments from us all right uh from swan chime is a game called 11th it uh deals with some pretty heavy subject matter uh so uh, if you're an adult, I'd recommend uh, checking the uh, description out first, but um, that is out. And there are also a lot of other um, games from that developer in a similar vein. So if you're interested in some adult material, uh, check out 11th. And last up, that one is not free. Uh, so oh, we no. ended we ended our free streak. That one's five bucks, yes. as is the next one. This is our $5 streak. Yes. Next up for $5 is Picky Ricky by Cole Plus Games. And this is a cute little uh, carrot picking game with the little bunny character. So it's a side-scrolling platformer. Looks super polished, super cute. I don't know. I have not had a chance to play it yet, but I did watch the uh, trailer and looked really impressive. So I hope to play it sometime soon. That does look really cute and like infinitely legible. That <laughs> looks really yes. great. I love the nice, fat, thick black lines and whatnot. Very legible. Yep. Great selection, very diverse selection this week. Applause. Good job, Don. Good job, devs. Good job, devs. Exactly. (laughs) All right. That brings us to... Are are we ready? Are we ready? Okay. That brings us to our... Pixel panel for today. This was a choice by moi. I thought we'd go with a little castle tintagel. This was... Burning up the Twitter scape a couple weeks ago, and I thought, why the heck not? So we all purchased our copy. It is available for $8.99, worth every last of the $0.99. Cents. Uh, this is by Pixelated Opus, and uh, let's describe this game here real quick. It says, at Castle Tintagel, you will embark on an epic quest of revenge in this nostalgic retroaction platformer ex- uh, exclusively built for the playdate play as Gawain, the last remaining knight of the round table, and fight your way through the evil that Morgana has unleashed onto the world. Take down epic bosses with aid of Merlin and Guinevere in the fight to reclaim Tintagel Castle from the evil sorceress Morgana. Uh, that pesky Morgana. So uh, just to sum this up in a sentence, if you like Castlevania, you're going to like this game. This is a very Castlevania-esque game. Uh, and I would go so far as to say it's a pretty unforgiving game uh but it got an update over the course of the past couple weeks that allowed some options uh some mild options to um allow more save states or uh not save states what do you call those nick checkpoints checkpoints thank you um and also decrease the number of hits that each enemy requires. So uh, thank you to Nick for alerting us to that update, uh, because that sure helped me progress a little further in the game. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was sure enjoying my time with this. You know, I'm focusing on not just gameplay, but because I'm an artist, I want the game to look good and this game sure does i thought it was super smart what they did with the player design the player design is made of mostly white pixels and you'll see on each level the player is basically traversing this all black background so again we're thinking about legibility here especially for us ancient people who are talking right now um i thought it was really legible but at the same time did not sacrifice 
detail in the character designs and the enemy designs in the environment. Uh, it felt like a really fully realized uh, world and game to me. Um, I'm hoping that nobody's cringing at that $9 price point because you shouldn't. This game is really fleshed out to the point where I have not completed it even on the uh, easier modes, even on the options. Um, what did you guys think about this before I keep yammering? Go ahead, Don. Oh. <clears throat> so I I wasn't going to say much because this is not a Don-type game, but then I was thinking there are probably listeners that are, you know, this game is not for us. So there, there's some value in my opinion as well. So I will share. Um, yeah, I'm not into uh, punishing or challenging games. I'm very much like into chill, more chill type experiences, puzzle games and whatnot on the uh, play date. So um, this is a, that said, yes, this is a super polished game. The chiptune music is excellent. The graphics are excellent. Even the, um, the play style is very good. I, I grew up playing Castlevania as well, was terrible at it as well. But, um, you know, like I, I appreciate what it is. And I appreciate what this is. This I watched the trailer. There's like a two-minute trailer or so on YouTube. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Well worth watching that just to see what this is capable of and what the playdate is capable of in an action game because it's uh, it's pretty impressive. That said, I was beating my head against this even in the easy mode. And like I kept dying on like the second screen and whatnot. And I would, it, it's just not for me. It's just I was not having fun. When I was getting hit four times by the second guy because my my movements were not perfect and whatnot and my timing was off. I'm into like, and then you only get three lives and you got to start the game over and whatnot. I'm into like, if you run out of hearts, you go back to the checkpoint, whatever, but infinite lives. I'm more of in that stage of my life. I need infinite lives so I can slowly (laughs) progress my way through a game. And I'm okay being that guy where I just am not going to spend the time and dedication on one game to master it and then this is that type of game you guys are more adept at this type of game and that's great too i know that you have the skills to get the full experience out of this and there doesn't have to be every game doesn't have to be everything to everyone and that so, is true um i can appreciate what it is it is not for me um i don't regret buying it or anything because uh yeah, maybe my kids will enjoy it. Maybe someday I'll be in the mood for a tough as nails uh, game. And it's not like impossible. And I was even reading some of the comments. The dev said that you can complete the game without taking any hits mm-hmm. or losing a life. And just looking at the gifts, there's like this uh, man-eating plant that shoots three beams. I don't mm-hmm. see how you can jump over those without taking a hit. But Nick, well, Nick you'll, Nick, you'll find out when you get there. Nick might reveal a way to do that. Anyway, um, if the if the dev says it's possible, then I believe it's possible. We've all seen Mario Maker levels that seem impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mario Maker, you have to complete the level to submit the level. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's my, my two cents. I'll probably be pretty quiet from here on out. But, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I love Castlevania as a series. Um, so much so... Uh, you know, I love, I love the concept of vampires. I love, uh, medieval, uh, literature and I love medieval, uh, history, European history and, uh, the mythos of Camelot and King Arthur and so forth. So this is like, uh, they had a target painted on me and shot me with an arrow, um, (laughs) by cranking and then hitting the B button, Ryan. Uh, but, uh. Uh, essentially, if you've played Castlevania Adventure for the Game Boy, the first one, uh, the player character moves in an almost identical way to Simon Belmont in that particular entry. It's very slow. It's very methodical because the original Game Boy could only render so many frames and it had to be legible and clear. Um that was a big topic of discussion when coming from the NES where Simon moved a little faster. Um, people uh, tended not to like the Game Boy entry because it was very, uh, it was a lot more slowly paced. But there was a lot of verticality in the Game Boy uh, entry where you would scroll screens uh, that was not present in the NES version. 
in other words, the camera would follow Simon in the NES version, but in the Game Boy version, it was a, essentially a vertical slice at a time, and then you would climb ropes or whatever to traverse up and down. Anyway, um, what's really cool about this game is that they looked obviously very closely uh, at those early Game Boy Castlevania games and implemented a lot of the good or interesting mechanics from those games, but then they also improved them in a lot of different ways. Uh, For example, in Castlevania, the classic Castlevania games, when you jump, you're committed. So as soon as you start moving and you hit a button, you're sailing on until the end of that jump. And it doesn't matter what happens. You're going to get knocked out of the sky by an eagle or whatever. Um, You know, you're toast. But in this game, you can actually alter the course of your jump uh, after committing, after hitting the button. And that is so freeing compared to Castlevania, which is so much more punishing in that regard. I'm nodding vigorously for (laughs) listeners who can't see me. Yes, totally. I'm watching Ryan just nod up and down this whole time. Um, So uh, there are a few other things that were done um, that are improvements to the Castlevania formula. For example, um, you have a sub-weapon in Castlevania. So you have your whip, uh, which has a a particular reach. Uh, It always extends to the front of you. Uh, There's no you know, angling that in any different way in those Castlevania games. In this game, you have a sword. So the sword has a particular arc. It's basically right in front of you, but there's a very tiny area right above you where I believe it can actually hit things too, uh, or I lucked out (laughs) when I hit stuff in the arc. Um, At any rate, uh, that's that's an improvement. But the sub-weapons are things like uh, throwing daggers or axes or whatever in traditional Castlevania. In this game, it's all magic that's provided to you by Merlin. And so as Gawain, uh, Merlin gives you access to these different things where you find magic and Merlin teaches you how to use it. Um, it's not Gawain? It, it is not. <laughs> it is not. Um, okay. But at any rate, so there's different types of magic things like uh projectiles uh there there's <laughs> the the first spell that you pick up reminds me of a spell in uh a game which i'm gonna mispronounce as fexanadu because that's what i always called it as a kid but the initial spell you get in that game is almost identical to this one anyway it shoots a, a little cloud in front of you and it goes all the you know most of the way across the screen um but there are also weapons or sub-weapons spells. <laughs> I'll get it one of these days. Uh, that home in on the enemy. So there's like a lightning spell which will uh, attack uh, the enemy wherever it is. And it's very clever um, the way that this is implemented because it, it tends to pick uh, the closest object or the most threatening thing to you. Uh, and I, I never had a misfire where I was like, oh, man wish it had picked this other enemy. Um, so, uh, which brings me to another thing, which is a, a bit of an improvement over Castlevania, and that is that scrolling the screen doesn't make enemies reappear at the same rate that it does on the NES or the Game Boy. So if you back up a little bit yeah. and then jump, an enemy that you've just defeated with a magic spell from a distance away doesn't reappear, which is a huge benefit. Um, so, nods. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's also this checkpointing system. So, uh, even without the the extra um, help in the in the update, uh, there's a fairly uh, uh, lenient compared to Castlevania checkpointing system where every few screens. Um, you're able to resume play from that screen after you die. So Ooh, that's that was a low bar to set, though. I mean, <laughs> it's true. Uh, Don, I'll bet you would agree that the checkpointing system on the the normal mode, not with the easy check marks on the options, I felt like it was a long way before I got to a checkpoint personally, but. Don, did you feel that way, or did you make it to any checkpoints? I don't. I don't know. My first run was my best run. My first run is the one where I felt like I beat the first boss, which was the eyeball thing. But then, mm-hmm. 
you guys were saying that wasn't even the first boss. Mm-hmm. So I never made it back to that uh, eyeball thing after using the updated uh, difficulty settings. Oh, wow. So I don't really know what the checkpoints were. There's a little statue that appears on selected screens, and it's usually about four screens that you have to traverse before you hit one of those checkpoints. Oh, so, okay. So it's, that's it's, in the new settings? The that's statues? in the old settings. In the new oh. settings, if you tr- if you tick that box, if from what I read, um, uh-huh. it will issue a checkpoint at every screen as you oh. scroll it. No, no. Um, so whether or not there's that little statue. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I yeah. Def- when I was playing yesterday, I was definitely dying and only going back one screen. Yeah, which is, you know, that that is screen. really helpful. Um, yeah. The thing that initially caught me with this game, and I, I played it in perhaps the worst conditions for playing a game like this. <laughs> I played it in a hot car during half of a lunch break for a couple of days, and then um, I, I played it laying down uh, in bed. Uh, for a little while, uh, and then finally, uh, I, I just could not beat the final boss, and so I sat down at a table and played it uh, a lot more focused, like I would an NES game, and I blasted through it, no damage, all great. So um, I uh, have got to say that if you if you do plan on playing this game, I would suggest that you you play it in a more focused. Uh, way, or at least that really helped me a lot. Um, the The first time I was kind of expecting more of a casual uh, experience than it really was, and so I found myself uh, frustrated with my lack of ability that first day, and I expressed this to Don and Ryan um, and, you know, told them that I was a, a terrible video game player and all this good stuff. But, um, but sitting with it some more and really thinking about it and, you know, really processing uh, the experience that the game was providing me allowed me to enjoy it so much more. Um, You know, really putting myself in the mindset of being eight years old or whatever and and playing Castlevania and uh, just having a great time uh, getting, you know, an extra inch further in the game. (laughs) So... Um, you know, I, I wanted to touch on something that you yeah. mentioned right there. Uh, I would say that the gameplay in this game rewards you for being very methodical. There's, n- I feel like there's no chance for you to get frustrated and speed run the thing. You know, like if if I played Mario a few times and I wasn't getting where I wanted to go, I'm just think, oh well forget it. I'm just going to go as fast as I can. Boom, 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 go through a number of obstacles. But here, uh-uh. No, like if a uh, an enemy comes at you from front or back, there's no outrunning it. And if you try, it's going to catch up to you once you're at a second enemy, and then you're definitely toast. Uh, so like, I feel like the gameplay is such that when something comes at you, you face it, you defeat it, in the patterns of that particular enemy and then you move forth and you do that same thing to the next enemy for their particular fighting patterns Mm -hmm. and then you move on otherwise oh boy so i totally agree with nick that you really need to be in a focused mindset and have that methodical approach to playing this game i feel like it was really well thought out because i uh for all the reasons nick said previously but also because of this like this timing feature that exists almost like ubiquitously throughout each level it's not just like oh well don't outrun the first one because then the second one's it's like don't outrun the 37th one because then the 38th (laughs) one is going to get you too right it's like very consistently paced and placed you know in terms of the enemies Mm -hmm. uh it it would but if you are methodical about it and don't get in a hurry and learn the actions of each enemy, I can understand for the most part, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that man-eating plant, Nick, but for the most part, I think that you can get through this game unscathed once you learn those things. Um, so, hey, Nick, there's a couple of 
you know, uh, Seymour's in this game, a couple of man-eating plants. Uh, one is small and not a boss. The other one is giant and it's a boss. And I'm curious, like the giant boss is where I'm currently stuck. Can uh, you help me with any of that? Cause yeah, I probably. Nick's, Nick's not provided his own humble brag. So I'll provide it for him. Nick completed the game. So everyone applause for Nick. Um, <laughs> How do you defeat that man-eating plant, Nick? Okay, uh, you're you're making it too hard on yourself. So it tries to trick you with its pattern because it seems more difficult than it is. Um, if you observe, and you'll you'll come across this type of pattern again with other bosses, but uh, it has essentially a, a one, two, three, two type pattern. So. Um, what I mean by that is there is a mode where it shoots, uh, and this is a minor spoiler, by the way, but there's a mode where it shoots these laser beam looking things at you. I guess they're... They're like laser plant, worms, right? Plant tentacles or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, you have just acquired that shield. So all you have to do uh -huh. is hit down, hold down, and it'll, it'll block those. Silly. Then uh, the next phase is that it will burrow underground yep, and uh, it will uh, start chasing you in this like dirt mound. Yep. You have to run until it's almost centered underneath you and then jump and it will uh, harmlessly pop up. Uh, and then you have to repeat that about three times and then it'll go underground again. When it comes back up, uh, it is totally harmless and you can just wail on it. Um, and then I lied, there's a fourth phase. And the fourth phase is that it will pop up three at a time. Yeah. But they're they're just like peekaboo. Uh here here they are, and then they disappear. Uh so as long as you're not where they pop up, you're good. Okay. So for that, it's for the peekaboo, it's basically dumb luck, right? Like you're either no. over top of one of those things or you're not. You you have time enough to move, even if you're over time. Are they always in the same place? No. It's random. You just got to watch. Mm. Watch the ground. Mm. It's a plane. You got to look at okay. the ground, man. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great um, tip on the shield. Uh, boy, that sure slipped my mind. I did not think about using that. Shield uh, becomes more important uh, yeah. over time. So, okay. Um, it, the game is teaching you to pay attention to, to that object. Um, so, uh, yeah, the shield, shield becomes massively important later. Cool. All right, enough about man-eating plants. Don, were you able to uh, make your way toward any of the crank integration on this game? No. I did see in the video using an uh, elevator or lift or something, and I yeah, did read that, it, that it only pops up a couple times where you need the crank. And I do like games that use the crank, but it's not overpowering. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought this game incorporated the crank in a pretty great way. You didn't have to like whip it out during a battle scene or anything. Like it was again true to the form Except of this game, one. very methodical. Okay, maybe I haven't reached that one. No, it's, um, it, it's the first one. But but the ones what? Oh, the the ogre. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I was I was thinking of the the bridge that extends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. It gives you a little time there to sort of work with it. Okay. Nick, you're right. Good job. Um, <laughs> but Thanks, yeah, for the most part, <laughs> except for the, uh, the actualies that Nick gave me for the most part, you're using it out of battle and yes. for very appropriate things like, okay, we're, we're, we're into the spoiler cast at this point, just so everybody knows, but there, there's a point at which a, a bridge gets pulled out through the use of your crank. Don mentioned the gift that's available on the uh, itch page that shows you these like movable platforms or books or elevators or what have you uh, to be able to move them back and forth. It seemed like a really natural integration of those crank mechanics uh, I thought, what did you think, Nick, since you made your way through more of them? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there it's not overpowering by far. Uh, there was a lot of thought put into when uh, these would pop up, as Ryan is saying. So, like, um, there's not, like, 100 enemies surrounding this crank 
thing that you need to progress. It's it's always it gives you time to think about how you're going to approach this crank puzzle. Um, and the later ones are a little more puzzly than the early ones, like Extend a Bridge. Um, the uh, well, yeah, that's uh, that's that's really the extent of it. Um, so it's it's pretty nice in that it's uh, it doesn't force you to like pull that out in order to cast magic or, <laughs> you know, uh, use your sword or anything like that. So I, I appreciate the thought that went into the crank integration because it feels very natural. Nick, I've got a question for you. So yeah. I'm at Seymour uh, right mm -hmm. now, and that's basically the end of level two. Yes. The for, the for, forest? I think it's the forest. The caves. Yeah. Caves. Sure. You know. Rocks, trees, same thing. Anyway, um, how many levels are there if I'm at the uh, end of level two right now? I I, th I think there are six uh, stages. And then Good there's golly. two kind of non-stages. One of them is just the final boss. Um, and then wow. one one of them is the, the town that you get to, which you're about... Well, yeah, again, we're spoiler in here, but... Uh, uh, right after that boss that you're fighting, you get to the town that Merlin advises you to go to in stage one. And um, there you can buy permanent upgrades. Um, so using the money that you acquire through each stage, you can buy different upgrades to your character. Oh, okay. um, I was going to ask you about that too, if those yeah. ever are make any sense. Like yes. I, I'm collecting these little bullseyes everywhere uh, I go, but then they don't do anything. Tons of sense. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, awesome. So, so once you get those, those are like gold uh, coins of some kind. And um, uh, yeah, you you spend them and you get upgrades like, for example, extending your health bar, extending your mana bar, or oh, adding please. extra lives. Um, those kind of things. Very so, cool. Very yeah. cool. Wow. Neat. All right. Love it. Um, man, what a well thought out game. And I'm going to give it, uh, praise that there is a uh, little higher praise in my book, a game that I really connected with as a kid. And again, as an adult and think that the enemy design and character design is a high watermark is Gargoyle's quest for the game boy. This game gave me gargoyles quest vibes in terms of that same thing a character design enemy design uh so fun to just look at these uh these these characters that are on the screen uh i, I almost want to like pause the game and analyze their pixel data and it's just so well done uh, am I the only one who's feeling this way? No, no, not at all. I mean, it's it's so neat to contrast this with, you know, memories or recent memories of playing original Game Boy games where, you know, you, you pause the screen and, and, you know, there's a cool looking skeleton or something, but it's only vaguely skeleton shaped. Uh, the, the high resolution of the playdate just makes everything so beautiful. And this game, it, it reminds me as far as enemy design of like Mega Man because there are uh, different enemies which are a little more um, on the, the kind of cute side um, as far as just how they're composed. So I don't know if that was intentional to kind of distance it a little bit from Castlevania, which is more like, you know, straight up zombies and uh, skeletons and stuff, or um, if it was, uh, you know, just the style they were going for. I'd, I don't know. Yeah, I... I guess you're right about that because there's a couple of like little knight type characters that I can sort of see as being Mega Man-esque. When you first said that, I, I, I crinkled my face and trying to think <laughs> I of, saw that. I saw that. Of, of ways that this game was Mega Man-esque because I did not get that feeling at it's, all when playing it. Only but from I, the artwork and animations of the, uh, the enemies, really. Um, it, it, no other way at all. I I disagree a little bit because I sure. think most of the enemies are pretty organic, like the bats and the um, little grubs that crawl out of the ground and um, the plants. And I, so I don't feel like any of that is very Mega Man-esque. Uh, that feels more... 
Castlevania, right. Gargoyles Questy right. to me. Let me give you a for instance. What about the things in stage one that throw the little pellets? Yes, agreed. Okay. The little yeah. night guys. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I get some some How, some Mega Man ish vibes from those. Maybe maybe you haven't hit the charging guys yet. Uh, yes, I hit those too. Yeah. Okay. How about, how about I, the boomerang I'm, guys? I'm classifying the charging guys as also little night guys, like the pellet throwing guys <laughs> have not got to the, uh, boomerang throwing guys yet, but okay. I do see them on the, uh, itch page. They look very similar to, uh, charging, the char- charging guys yeah. to me, to my eye. Yeah. Same. Um, but anyway, th- those all vaguely fall in that Mega Man-esque, uh, realm but uh i wanted to touch on the animations uh like during cutscenes and and all those kind of things uh, so impressive um just the amount of constant motion and how visible everything is ryan touched on this but as you're walking you know i was expecting a castlevania adventure level of visibility which is to say not very much but you know there's not going to be a lot happening on the screen and i was shocked at how much stuff is just constantly happening um and enemies like the the plant that uh ryan's referencing beautifully animated just uh you know constantly wiggling and organic and and just so cool um so very well done i think um yeah i i am I've gone on record as saying I am very impressed with the art. I've given it some of my highest possible uh, accolades comparing it to Gargoyle's <laughs> Quest. My one qualm, uh, and I'm trying to just be uh, well-rounded here. I do have a qualm. Uh, they have these beautiful headshots of the mm-hmm. characters when they're talking. And my one qualm is that Gawain and... <laughs> I'm sorry, how do you say that, Nick? Gawain and Guinevere almost look the same to me. Like they both got blonde hair. It's both kind of longish. They both kind of got a similar head shape. There's a lot of similarities between them. And I found myself when I was reading back and forth between their dialogue that I had to like take second and third looks to make sure I remembered who was saying what. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I wish there would have been a little more differentiation between those two main characters and the headshots. Um, Wizard was perfectly identifiable, looks amazing. Every single one of them looks amazing. But in terms of like differentiating the characters from one another, that was my, my very minor gripe about that. Yeah. Um, I had, I had a few minor, uh, suggestions or you know thoughts about the game do you um, mind if i express those i would like to hear them okay um the first thing i thought uh was that it it took uh a while for me to update to 1.1 so don let us know that 1.1 was out uh, a while ago and it took me a while to download the update anyway i finally did um and I tried to install it, and it would not install. It, it I sideloaded it. You know that was fine, but it, on my Playdate, it, it wouldn't install. And I was uh, looking at, I was manually triggering the install, um, and I noticed that the file size was almost double what it was on the initial download. And this is a yeah, big it's game. It, it's about 40 megabytes. So when I downloaded version two, I was paying attention to that too. And it was almost identical in size to the first time. So about 40 megabytes. But when I installed the update, it was 80 some megabytes. And uh, I, I was wondering if, so Don, you noticed that too. I was yeah. wondering if maybe there's uh, some situation where patches uh, are additive <laughs> on the playdate, or if uh, you know there's some kind of bug in how it's reporting the file size or something like that. Um, I, I would have to dive in deeper to figure out you know exactly what's going on um, and probably develop a little application and update it a few times to to really figure it out. But um, that was a little curious to me. Um, another was- thing. Uh, yep. Real quick, that was coming off of itch, right? Yes. Because when I look at my my actual files I saved, I, it might have been a 
I can't remember where I saw that, but my actual files that I have saved, there's only a two thousandth of a kilobyte difference. Difference. Yeah. Yeah. They're almost the same size, but I, I do remember seeing like, oh, it's twice the size. On, so I'm not on, sure if it's a side loading thing or just something's going on right now. We talked on our last podcast about there being a delay when you come in and out of the play date and in and out of settings. Mm-hmm. It gives you that white screen. You guys have that too, right? Yes. Uh, that's been since the last OS update. Maybe there's just something flaky right now they're working out. Could be. Yeah. Um, who knows? So that's not a qualm about this game specifically. It's just something that I noticed. Um, so uh, a, a, a qualm that I do have with this game, though, is that it is very uh, dialogue heavy and... I love dialogue in games. I'm 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 the visual novel person, so uh, I love adventure games. I love role playing games. I love Arthurian legend. I love all this stuff. Um, but one thing that I found a little, uh, you know, not frustrating but um, interesting as a design <laughs> choice. Well, you know, it's it's fine, um, but it's just a just a thought that I'm having is that. Uh, you know, if there was a way to perhaps skip those cutscenes, like if you're seeing it for the fiftieth time, uh, as I did in that the end of the first stage, sure, yeah. it, it does allow you to press A through them. Oh yes, and I I did employ that method, um, but you have to you have to press it a bunch. Uh, there's another one that I saw a, a lot, and um, I was thinking, wow, that would that would be nice. Um, so. Uh, other than that, you know, there's really very few quirks with the controls. There are a couple of things that I found with, uh, with the crank actually, um, the, we've entered UI corner with Nicholas Baldridge. (laughs) Here we go. So, uh, with the crank at the end of the, um, first stage, you're fighting a boss and you meet up with Guinevere and she says, Hey, uh, stun this thing. And then I'll shoot it with arrows. And I was talking with Ryan and I said, oh, yeah, you got to you got to do this kind of complicated maneuver and you have like a really short time to do it and you got to do it over and over again. And Ryan's like, I just ignored all of that. (laughs) I'm very bad at following directions. (laughs) (laughs) um, I wish I had known that that you could ignore that because um, it was it was difficult. So you have to get out the crank after stunning this uh, ogre that you're fighting, which is a rather complicated pattern at first, um, as they all are. Um, and then you have to crank it to the appropriate spot and it gives you a little reticle or a little target indicator. And then you have to mash B just as quickly as you can, uh, while the thing is stunned and then it gets back up and you have to repeat the pattern. So Um, I'm sorry to stop you, but when Guinevere, uh, shoots the arrow at the ogre, you've got a be really pumping B like B B B B B B. That's what I did. You just like give it a good old press and it'll do you, it. You give it a good old press, and then uh, once the arrow disappears from the screen, you can press it again. But I found myself, you know, tapping it sixty-five times a second. Okay, because um, as as Nick alluded to, I never was able to get Guinevere to yeah. shoot her arrow, so I just kept wailing on the ogre with uh, Gawain and uh, eventually defeated the ogre. Yeah. By wailing away, um, I so I still have not seen Quinevere shoot that arrow. I will have to go back and try it again. But uh, yeah, um, well, I, it's, I, I lo- it's a cool thing. But yeah, it 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 was pretty difficult to do in the moment. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and uh, other than that, other crank interactions they are they are uh, well thought out as we mentioned. But um, you can get stuck in a UI interaction that you don't understand you're in the crank interaction so you have to initiate the crank interaction by pressing up then you crank but it doesn't give you feedback as to which direction you need to crank uh so like when you're extending the bridges as you mentioned you actually have to crank backwards towards you or at least that's what i found i don't know if it's the same for everybody but at any rate uh cranking it backwards towards you extends the bridge cranking it the other way does nothing at all and so i was cranking like crazy and nothing was happening so i cranked the other way and it was fine um but then you have to disengage yourself by pressing up but that's also not specified in the ui so um it it's a little tricky 
but okay, let's can we talk about that for a second? Real quick, yes, because we're almost okay. out of time. I got it. So on that particular drawbridge interaction, did you click up and then yes. crank? Okay, yes. I was holding up and then okay. cranking. So I did not experience the need to exit with the up button. Hmm. Maybe okay. you're supposed to hold. And the other uh, thing I was going to mention there is that there was not an incredibly obvious visual for what was happening when I was cranking that bridge over. Yes. You kind of have to look down below and it yep. slowly inches across. And it took me like a few attempts before I understood, oh, this is this is bridging. Now I understand. But but it took me a minute. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, you know, th those are my very minor critiques. And uh, I... Uh, love this game. Thanks so much for recommending it, Ryan, and uh, for doing the Pixel panel. And Don, thank you for trying it. I'm sorry it wasn't your cup of tea, but um, you know, there, there's always next time. That's all right. Yeah, it was, it's it's something special. And if it, if it sounds even like you're a little bit interested, I'd say give it a shot. Yeah, it's it's incredibly fleshed out. Uh, I didn't know anything about it aside from a quick uh, GIF that I saw on Twitter and it looked like it would tickle my fancy. And uh, it did. It was a little frustrating at first, but I'm so glad, pixelated Opus, that you decided to include some uh, options. And I am a person who gets overwhelmed by options. I typically do not investigate options very heavily, but these options that were added were like literally two check boxes and mm. that's it. Yep. So uh, I, I felt like that was digestible for me <laughs> and really helped me progress further in the game. And even if and when I do complete this game, I'll feel like, oh, okay, I feel a sense of accomplishment, but I know that there's another harder level way of playing this game that I can go back and do. So yep. I feel like this game has some extraordinarily long legs. Yes. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to keep playing it. Um, well, we're almost out of time, but thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, check the show notes for all the links that we discussed, including links to, uh, to the Pixel Panel game. And if you're looking for more Castlevania-type action, check out drainpinball.com. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> wow, Nick. Got it yourself this time. Yeah. Good job. You can also find us at playdatepodcast.com and uh, hop in the Discord. Yeah, play some Guess the Game and Coffee Golf with us. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody.